Is there anybody else besides me here today just amazed that Jesus saved you? (laughs) This has nothing to do with my sermon. It's just on my heart in this moment that, I mean, he looked down from heaven and he looked down and he said, you know what heaven needs? It needs a Lisa. Needs a Deneen. Needs a little Jason Hanks to spice things up just a little bit. And the amazing thing is, is we oftentimes think we just ran into God. Or we just stumbled across God. Listen, God pursues you with a heart of, of jealous passion. We've been explaining to my kids in some theological talks that we've been having lately of uh, the fact that you know, when you commit your life to Christ, when you're really with him and walking with him, when you turn away from that, your life becomes absolutely miserable. It does. If you wonder what might be wrong in your life today, it may just be that God is drawing you to a place where you surrender everything to him, get much closer to him, because listen to me, it's in the shadow of those wings. It says, if you make the Lord God most high, if you make him your fortress, if you make him your everything, there's a lot of ifs in the Bible. So we have a response to the love of God that says, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pursue you like you pursued me at one time. I'm just thankful he saved me. Anybody else just thankful to be saved today? Praise God. I am too. Bless the Lord. James 5. James 5. This will be our last Sunday of our series that I kind of had the jumping off point of a three-stranded cord. The Bible says a three-stranded cord is not easily broken. And the very first week we talked about worship. Last week we talked about the word And today we're going to talk about prayer. Everybody say prayer. Prayer. I want to say right here from the beginning, I am not an expert on prayer. Amen? I think anybody that says they're an expert really hasn't delved into everything that constitutes biblical prayer. We see all through the Bible that some of the mightiest men and women of God were people of prayer. And a three-stranded cord, if you find yourself like you just are barely hanging on, If you will begin to worship God and just lift his name up, if you will begin to get into the word and see what God has already said about the circumstance and situation, and if you can live a life of prayer, that is a three-stranded cord in our lives that is not easily broken. You can hang on to that. God can rescue you with that. But what I have found is that walking with God involves talking with God. And that's what prayer is. Prayer is a continual relationship with God that we don't just, and nothing wrong with having devotional time, nothing wrong with setting aside, but what have we learned in life? How many in here would say, I'm busy? Would you you admit that this morning? Absolutely. We live in such a culture and age where everything is so instant, right? What I mean by that is, you know, we have email, we have Facebook Messenger, we have text messaging, we have all these different avenues to, uh, to, to communicate with other people. And our lives are busy. We've got, you know, from sunup to sundown, especially if you have teenagers or little kids, you're busy, 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 busy. And also in the communication part of things is how many have ever been left on red when you send a text? It's like that text just disappears out into nowhere and I think some of us feel like God is maybe too busy with everything he's doing to ever really answer our prayers 
or that we're too busy to stop and take a moment throughout our day, in the morning, in the midday, or whenever it is when you have something that you need God to come through for on, I want to teach you today of why pray. Everybody say, why pray? pray. It's a great question, isn't it? That is a great question that we just need to stop and ask and say, if, if, if prayer, because understand something, there will be more people will go to work and to, or there will be more people pray than go to work, drive a car, and clock in on a job this week. More people will pray than what do those things. And the reason I say that is that's simple statistics. Gallup poll just recently polled people, and they said 9 out of 10 people say they will pray throughout this week. 3 out of 4 people say that they will pray every single day. So the question I want to present to you today kind of as an anchor question as we delve into this is the question of why pray? Because oftentimes we think, God, I've already prayed this. God, I've already asked you this. God, you're so busy running the entire universe, you probably don't have time or the energy to listen to what I'm saying. And sometimes we feel like our prayers come out and they just kind of get lost. They kind of disappear. They kind of like, we feel like God has left us on red. You know, the, God knows it because we say to ourselves, God, you already know everything. Why am I even bringing this to you? Why am I, why am I praying about this? Because God, you said in your word, you know my thoughts from afar off. God, you know what I'm going to ask when it's just right there on my lips. So today we're going to tackle the question of why pray. We're busy We have life that comes and things that happen. But I want to tell you, just like we've talked about the last couple weeks, if you can make worship a priority in your life, if you'll make the Word of God a priority in your life, and if you'll make prayer a priority in your life, I'm telling you, you will be a successful, growing Christian. You will be somebody that walks very closely with God. And prayer, honestly, is just an ongoing dialogue with a Father who loves you. It's a continual, God wants to dialogue with you. God wants to lead you. God wants to guide you. So look in James chapter 5, verse 16. This is our anchor text today, and we'll refer back to it many times. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Father, for these next few minutes and moments, as we are here in your mighty presence, Lord, I pray you would help me minister to the people of God today. These are precious people, Father, not only to me and to each other, but certainly far more precious to you. So, Holy Spirit, I pray that anything said of Jason Hanks would fall by the wayside, and whatever is said under the unction of the Holy Spirit, God, my prayer today is that your word would change our lives that your word would go into good soil today and cause fruit to grow and fruit to remain. Amen and amen in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Number one thing I thought of of the reason why we pray is, listen to me, we can't help it. We can't help but pray. We pray because it is hardwired within us We all have the longing inside of us to connect with the one true God who made us. We pray because it's hardwired. We pray for peace. 
We pray for, 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 for healing. We pray that the business deal will go through. We pray, God, give me strength. God, give me direction. God, lead me. God, guide me. God, speak to my heart. God, encourage me. We pray all of these different prayers. And the reason that I say we all pray is if you've ever been on a bumpy flight that hits turbulence, it's amazing how quickly there's no atheist on board, right? <laughs> we traveled a lot as a missionary a couple for many years, and I actually was on this flight by myself going across the Atlantic. I believe I was going to going to Africa, so we went through Europe and on down to Africa when I went to Uganda back in around 2007. But, you know, you get on, and they're large planes, and you usually have sometimes six people in the middle and three or four on the, each side and big, large, you know, over the Atlantic plains. I'll never forget, you know, when you're sitting there talking to people, you kind of just start to share with you know, what you do, I'm a missionary and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Most of the time people would just kind of be like, oh, that's good for you, but I don't believe all that. And they kind of get quiet beside you. But listen, honey, you hit some some turbulence over the Atlantic Ocean. It's amazing how quickly there are no atheists on board, right? They're looking at you like, you know, God, you pray. It's like the pilot story I heard one time, the pilot is in trouble in his little Cessna plane, and he calls the tower. He calls the tower, and he says, this is Cessna 3468 to the tower. I'm 300 miles from the airport. I'm slowly descending. I'm at 600 feet, and I'm out of gas. Over. And the tower comes on and says, tower, Cessna 3456, repeat after me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We are all hardwired to want to connect with the one who created each and every one of us. And why do we pray? I'm telling you, it is inside of you already because we all have that God-shaped hole within us that only God can fill. And how do we communicate with God? How do we commune with God? How do we connect with God? How do we get with God? We get with God through our everyday communicating and praying lives. Amen? Amen. A lot of times we make prayer our last option, not our first resort. Amen? God in prayer wants to be your, in other words, he doesn't want you just to be praying emergency prayers. If you'll let God in on the beginning of something, he'll give you a blueprint. If you get God when you've already messed up and wrecked on the other side of the road, then you have to have an emergency session with God. And God wants to move us from emergency prayers to blueprint prayers this morning, communing with him, talking to him. But we can't help it. It's just hardwired within us. Mighty men of prayer all throughout the Bible. You, Abraham prayed, Moses prayed, David prayed, Daniel prayed, Ezekiel prayed. You go all through the Bible. But can I tell you this morning, one of the, one of the most beautiful prayer lives you'll ever see are in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Especially the Gospel of Luke really brings out the prayer life of our Lord Jesus Christ. In a beautiful way. What was he doing? Many times they would be looking for him and it says he would withdraw himself to a secluded place so that he could pray and commune with his heavenly father. If Jesus needed to pray, honey, you need to pray this morning. And think about something for a second. They didn't come and ask Jesus how to do anything 
But they did come and they said, Lord, the only time that you see the disciples come to Jesus and say, God, Jesus, we want you to teach us. Now, if it were me, I probably would have asked him how to turn water into wine. That'd be useful to party. Amen. Oh, come on, y'all. Quick. (laughs) Stop. Jesus, teach me how to walk on water. That would be super cool, especially you living here around all this water. You'd be out on the home and I need to get over to Crumps and just walk across from my grace. Like, man, look at this. Or I maybe, maybe would have said, Jesus, that thing with a few biscuits and some, some fish and feeding 5,000 people, that would be super cool. They didn't ask any of those things. They knew that Jesus' source was his heavenly Father through the Holy Spirit and that he communed and he prayed and that's where everything came from. So we have the same opportunity as believers. Why pray? Because it's already hardwired into you. You see this throughout all different religions. Muslims get down and they pray to Mecca when you... If you've ever been in NA or, or AA or any of those programs, that's how they begin, to begin to pray to a higher power. came to tell you something this morning. The higher power is Jesus Christ. Amen. Forever and ever, amen. But if you start praying, God will lead you down a road where he will begin to introduce himself to us. What they experienced in Jesus' prayers was an authentic conversation and life-giving connection with God. And the disciples looked at that life-giving connection with God, and they looked and they said, we want that too. We want to have what you have. And I'm telling you this morning, it's available to us. Again, James 5. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Listen, when someone comes to God with a humble heart and asking God in faith to help, that is a powerful prayer. Number two, prayer corrects our vision. Everybody say vision. Vision. It corrects our vision of our circumstances. It corrects our vision of, of ourselves. It's like prayer. When I get up from prayer, everything looks different to me than it did before I went into prayer. And I want to tell you something. It's not just a time. It's not just a place. You can have an ongoing dialogue with your Heavenly Father. How many in here are nearsighted? You can't, you're nearsighted means you can't see far away. Like three of you? Come on, somebody. I can't see the very top letter. That's scary, especially if you see I'm not wearing glasses. But I do wear contacts. I remember I've told this story before, but there's a lot of new people here. Many years ago, I went in and went through to get new contact lenses and was, I was going through all the thing where they go in, they blow this, you know, the little air in your eye. How many just hate that? I hate that. They're like, you know, don't pull back. And I'm in there and I go through the whole process. Now, what I didn't know was when I got into the seat, the doctor, you know, I finished with the, the assistant, the little nurse assistant person, you know, helper, went through the whole process and I sat down in the chair and I had a thought for a moment when he left and was coming back. I was going to go memorize that very bottom line <laughs> where it says copyright 1949, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Is actually what it says. I've looked at many of them. I fought the urge to do that. But when he came back in, he looks at my chart and he begins to say, Mr. Hanks, read as far down as you can go. And I read down all the way to the bottom. Now, remember, I can't see the very top letter from that distance. I mean, it's blurry. I can kind of make it out. And man, for a few moments, I thought God had healed me. I was about to get up and do a Pentecostal jig right there in the, in the, in the, and then he finally said, did you take your contacts out? 
I said, oh, I forgot. They forgot to tell me to take my contacts out. Listen to me, church. Prayer will correct your vision. If you're having trouble seeing a situation, if you're having trouble seeing life for what God said it would be, it's not God's word that is faulty. It is our vision that is faulty. And prayer, communing with God, getting with God, will begin to correct your vision. You will begin to see other people. When I get up from prayer, I don't see people like I saw them before I went into prayer because it corrects my vision. I don't see my marriage the same way when I come out of prayer. As I did before. Some of you are like, what's it going to say? I'm not saying anything. I, nothing. Everybody say vision. It corrects our vision. Job was one of those characters in the Bible that was having trouble seeing what was really going on in his life. And, you know, one of my favorite parts of the Bible, and I love this, is Job is enduring pretty good. He's lost his family. He's lost his business. He's lost just about everything in his life. And really, honestly, you read through it, and he's, he's hanging in there. But there comes a point, halfway, three-quarters through the book of Job, where he just kind of loses it. Honestly, has anybody ever just kind of lost You're just like praying, and God, i got to pour. He's pouring his heart out to God, and I encourage you, if you want to get fresh vision for everything around you, get honest with God. Be honest with him. And in this moment, he's being really super honest. God, don't know why I'm in this situation. God, I don't know why these things are going on. God, I don't know why I lost everything, why this is going on in my life. God, I don't know what is happening. And are you even, are you even there? Are you going to show up? And here's the, this is one of my favorite parts of the Bible. Because God shows up. And he presents a series of rapid-fire questions to Job. Job, you've asked me some questions. Let me ask you a few questions. Were you there when I told the waters they could only come so far? Do you command the, the morning sun to rise and for it to set in the evening? Job, how is lightning formed? Job, do you know where the snow is stored up? Job, do you know how these were created? And he goes on and on with rapid-fire questions Where Job is finally like, okay, 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 okay. God, I get it. In other words, prayer will correct your vision and it will, here's what it'll do. It'll help you realize he's God and you're not. Amen? Amen? That may be a revelation for some of you this morning. It helps you understand you have a really big, huge, awesome, loving God And he cares about every detail in your life. And listen, God doesn't need to know that you're really small. It's you that needs to be reminded that you're really small. And prayer will correct your vision, even not just how you see God, but how you see yourself. And when we humble ourselves, that's what James 5 verse 16 is talking about. Confess your sins. Listen to, when I come to God, God already knows all these things about me. He already knows. He knows your inmost being. He knows. So sometimes we think, well, I'll just hide that place off from God. Can I tell you, you can be honest with God. You can be real with God. You can pour your heart out with God. Because listen, why pray? It not only corrects our vision, but praying according to James 5.16, it helps us just be honest about ourselves. You are only, you are as sick as your secrets this morning. Amen? 
The thing that you're hiding away is the very thing that God wants you to bring bring to Him in prayer. He wants you to come and to be honest and to begin to pour your heart out. Begin to see Him for who He really was. You know, some stories mark us more than other stories or situations or things that you see unfold in front of you. Sometimes you watch something play out in front of you and it... If you're, if you're praying, and that's what I was doing this particular morning, was I was out on the beach in Daytona. I had to go over there for uh, with one of my family members, and they were off doing the thing, and I was at the hotel, and I actually had to preach on Sunday, so Saturday morning I got up really early and was went out to just pray and begin to seek the Lord. I had some notes typed and whatnot, so I got my computer out. And it had been storming through the night. So out there, there's hardly anybody out there on the on the beach, and big waves were rolling in. And as I sat down, I looked out over, and I could see this dad and about a three-year-old son playing right out there near the water. And I kind of felt prompted by the Holy Spirit, I want you to watch this. I want you to watch what's going on out here. And as they played, the dad, big old dude, I'm talking muscles, tattooed from here to here, big old burly guy. And I'm watching him and just enjoying seeing the the interaction between a father and a son. And what he would do, the big old dad, when the wave would come roaring in, he'd pick up his little three-year-old and he would tuck him in tight and he would turn and that wave would just break over him. And they would laugh and laugh. After about the third time of me witnessing this, I felt like the Holy Spirit just came and moved on me and he said, do you know how many times I've done that for you? you know how many times I've, I've clutched you up and I've pulled you close and I haven't let you take the brunt of what is breaking over you? Listen to me. When you come to God in prayer, we must believe that He is. Who is He this morning? He's a Father who desires to commune and to speak to you. Prayer is not a one-way street. It's a two-way street. When you're in prayer, you're looking for God to speak to your heart, to give and correct your vision, to be honest with Him. Amen? To just step back and say, God, you know, these are some things that I need to lay down in our lives. C.S. Lewis put it this way, and I think it's the best way to put it. When we come to God, we don't bring to Him what we ought to be, We bring to Him who we really are. And when you can get to that level, that's what prayer does. It it should help us bring to God and be honest in our hearts about what's really going on in our lives. We all know this. God already knows. It's not about God finding out more information. It's about a father, just just like the story, just tuck us up and let those things break. Let God, let God scoop you up and speak to your heart and speak to your life. Listen to me. Worship, the word, and prayer is a three-stranded cord that if you begin to make steps in your worship, if you go to a different place in worship, if you begin to dig into the word, listen to me, if you begin to develop a prayer life like you never have before, you are going to begin to grow by leaps and bounds. I came to tell you something this morning. God did not make this difficult to understand of what he is wanting from us. What he is wanting from each person here is a love relationship 
between, and that happens through the medium of praying and prayer and spending time in the presence of God. Amen? So again, it not only fixes our vision, we get a good understanding, but prayer helps us get honest with God and get honest with ourselves. Actually, C.S. Lewis quote, I misquoted it just a little bit, but the meaning is the same. We must lay before him what is in us, not what ought to be in us. We must lay before him what is in us, not what ought to be in us. Prayer is an ongoing dialogue all throughout a day. That's what I'm learning is it's not just a set time, but it's God is wanting to have a dialogue running throughout a course of a day where we can just come and be honest. Everybody say honest. Another reason why we pray is to get direction for our life, right? We pray. Young people, listen to me for just a few minutes because this will help you tremendously as you are faced with decisions. As you are faced with something, we pray not to just get honest with God, not to have our vision corrected, not just to commune and to, to feel his presence. Those are all valid and true. But I think at the end of the day, if we say, what are you praying about in your life currently? It's normally wrapped up in, God, I need you to lead me. I need you to answer and let me know the direction I should go. Should I take this job? Should I date this person? Should I do these different things? And when we see that, we are going to get direction for our life. F.B. Meyer said it this way, The greatest tragedy in life is not unanswered prayers, but unoffered prayers. The greatest tragedy in life is not unanswered prayers, it is unoffered prayers. Here's what I want to tell you, first and foremost, and listen to me for the next 10, 15 minutes, closer than what you have up to this point. This will help you. Number one, when it comes to why pray, Because God wants to direct us and God wants to answer us. God wants to give us the answer. But sometimes we don't understand something very important about God. And I want you to hear this. God always answers prayers. Did you hear me? Because here's what we say, and it's perfectly natural. I've said this before. Well, because God said no, it meant he didn't answer my prayer. That is not the case. He is your heavenly Father. He is going to answer you. And it's really a misnomer. Misnomer, A misnomer is more than a mistake. A misnomer is a wrong or inaccurate designation of something, much like morning sickness, right? Ladies, if you had morning sickness when you were pregnant, was it just in the morning? No. No. My wife had morning sickness, but it wasn't just in the morning. And I would, I'd be a little upset with her. It's evening. You're not supposed to be feeling bad. <laughs> Quit. We need to go eat. It's morning sickness. Yeah, but it's not the morning. So saying God didn't answer is a misnomer because it's mislabeled because we understand that the thing that we're praying for, God is going to answer. I'm sorry, Garth Brooks. There is no such thing as unanswered prayers. Sorry, Garth. Because when you belong to him and you're his child, God is going to answer you in one of four ways. Isaiah 55 verse 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. In other words, sometimes God just does it in a different way and we don't recognize the answer. Sometimes I pray for provision, and God gives me a promise. Come on, somebody. Sometimes I want a way out, and God gives me a word. 
Sometimes I pray for sustenance, sustenance and God gives me a seed. And it doesn't look like what I ask for, but I can assure you God answers every prayer that we pray. We just don't understand what the answer is. And a lot of times, I mean, have you done this? I've done this. Have you given God lots of options of how to fix this situation here? We don't give him a fill in the blank. We give him, God, here's four choices of how I really want you to work in this. And like the scripture I just read, God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. God is working out a far more greater plan and purpose in your life because sometimes in the testing, when you've prayed something and you've asked something, oftentimes pretty quickly we begin to give up and say, well, God, I guess the answer was no. And it's not always no. And it's not always yes. There's four ways, and some of you heard this before, but bear with me for just a little bit. Everybody say no. That's an easy one to know. No. Listen, it's one of the first kids, uh, first uh, words that kids learn, right? Because, why? Because they're always being told no. What happens when God says no? In the scripture, listen to me, in scripture it's usually tied to a wrong request. When God tells you no, in scripture we can see examples because it was the wrong request. Let me give you an example Mount of Transfiguration, James, Peter, and they're up on this top of this mountain, John, Peter, and James, and this God, glory comes down, Jesus takes his Superman outfit off, and he's shining in all his glory, and he's, he's there, and they say to, to Jesus, Jesus, it's good that we're here. Let's make three tabernacles. Let's plant three churches on top of this mountain, and let's just stay here. If you'll notice something, Jesus doesn't even answer them. Because Jesus is like, I am the answer that you're looking for. Or, how about when, when a couple of the disciples come along and they're like, Hey, Jesus, we want to sit on thrones beside you in the kingdom of heaven. And I love their mom even comes and backs them up. They're good boys, Jesus. They're good boys. These are, the fine, these are fine boys. You can do this. It's a Mark 10. The answer is no. The answer is no because sometimes we ask selfishly. Sometimes we ask amiss. Sometimes our hearts just aren't right. Like, for instance, when the couple disciples come along and they're like, Jesus, you want us to call down fire from heaven? You want to make some holy s'mores out of these people over here? If you've ever driven on 19, you know what those disciples were feeling. Come on, somebody. Come on. You know how that feels. Listen, the answer in those, in those circumstances were no. Because it, listen, if, if Peter, James, and John would have stayed up on the mountain, they would have never fulfilled the plan of God for their life. You're saying God's no is trying to lead you to a better yes. Oh, that's good. That's good. God's no is trying to lead you to the correct yes that's in his will. Some of you are still heartbroken over some knuckle, knucklehead boy that broke up with you. Listen, take the no and move on. Or a girl if you're a guy. When you present things to God, there's only one of four answers. The first answer he may come back with is simply no. Or, secondly, is woe. Everybody say woe. If the timing isn't right, then God won't say no He'll say, 
hold up, wait a minute, and nobody wants to wait. Amen? And if you've ever been stuck in traffic, nobody's like, yay, stuck in traffic. <laughs> Woe is God telling us that everything that I'm putting, and it's amazing how God works and can work in, our, in and through our prayers and in and through our lives because God has to begin to take and move all the pieces into the proper place. And it's amazing that he can get anybody with free will into the proper place. So God is working all these things behind the scenes. But sometimes where God is taking you isn't ready yet. Amen? And if I push myself into an atmosphere that is not in God's timing, and I'm trying to force God's hand when he is saying, hold up a minute, and it's it's like God saying, I know you're ready, but I've got to work over here on my end. So it's not no, it's whoa. Hold up, wait. Waiting on God is one of the hardest things that you will do. It's, it's hard. It's difficult. It, it's really difficult to present something to God and God not give us a no, but give us just, whoa, hold up, wait a minute. Number three is grow. Everybody say grow. grow. Listen, if the timing's wrong, God will say, whoa. If you are wrong, come on. Some of you are like, I'm never wrong. Let me ask your wife if you're wrong. Let me just ask her. Look, I've learned I just apologize to Leah as soon as I wake up in the morning. I did. I just look at her and say, I'm sorry. And she's like, well, what for? I said, whatever I'm about to do. I'm sure I'll do something wrong throughout the course of this day. I told my daughter, you can testify, she can testify to this. I told her the other day, we were talking about creation. We were talking about husbands and wives, having great theological talk. And I looked at her and I told her and I said, God made man, made him first. So God has endued him certain responsibilities and authority. That's biblical. Then he took woman out of a man. So God has a plan, God has a plan for man and gives man the plan. And I told my, my daughter, I said, and God gave woman to make sure he does it right. <laughs> Come on, son. Come on, brother Jim. We don't like to admit we're wrong, do we? That's what grow is telling us. If, if we're wrong about something in our hearts, God will say, hold up. I want you to grow through this. It's like the veterinarian who was a taxidermist. He says, there's a sign above his door. He says, either way, you're getting your pet back. All right? If, I, if I'm wrong and I mess this up, I got you covered. Don't ever go to a veterinarian that has that sign, by the way. <laughs> Church, have you noticed we need people in our lives to point out where we're wrong? Amen. We all need accountability. That, that, that's, what, that's what grow in prayer. God will either come back and say, no, this isn't for you. And that's an answer. We oftentimes think, okay, God didn't answer my prayer. No, he said no. Or he says, wait, hold up, I'm putting pieces together, so you're going to have to stay in prayer, stay in faith, and continue to believe me for what you're praying for. Or then he's going to come back and he says, no, I'm going to put you in a place where I'm going to grow you in this, and I'm going to work in your life. This is an area, just a few months ago, that I encountered. I was praying about something, and I wasn't seeing an answer. So when I don't see an answer... I begin to seek the Holy Spirit and say, okay, it wasn't no, and it wasn't hold up. 
I sense and feel like you're asking me to grow in a certain area. And the area that he came back was completely unrelated to the area I was praying about. I want to tell you that this morning. In prayer, God will connect something over here with something you're praying about over here. And the issue was friction with my wife. We have we don't have arguments. We have intense fellowship in our house. That's that's what we have. And the Lord brought me to this scripture, First Peter three seven. You husbands likewise live with your wives in an understanding way, as with a weaker vessel, since she is a woman, and grant her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. And the area God was telling me to grow in was grow in my relationship and my honor and love and respect of my wife because my prayer was being hindered by my own disobedience, by my own attitude. So my question is, if it's grow, what area is the Lord speaking to you to be obedient and to grow in because it will be the unlocking of him answering the prayer that you're praying? Grow in faith, amen? It's usually doubt that hinders our prayers. Unforgiveness hinders prayers, amen? Jesus was very clear. If you come and bring a gift to the altar and you have ought against your brother, leave your gift at the altar and go be reconciled. Unforgiveness and friction in your relationships and not humbling yourselves. Again, when we come to God, we're asking God through prayer, God, how do you want to change me, not necessarily just the situation? That's what grow means. That's what, the, that's what the Lord will come back and say, no, I want to teach you something here in my word that is going to unlock the prayers that you're praying in your life. So if you don't get a no and you don't get a woe, hold up. If you don't get a grow, then God says, let's go. Come on. I like the let's go prayers. Amen. Listen. The three requirements for the effectual, it, it said that the righteous, effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It tells us in the word. And then the, there in James is talking about the, that there's power in our prayer. There's power in our prayer. And listen to me this morning. In Luke 18, it tells a story of a certain widow woman, Jesus is telling and teaching his disciples and he's teaching the ones who are following him. He's giving them a parable. He's giving them an illustration of what it means to see prayer. In church, I want to tell you something. Prayer isn't just something we just, again, it's a dialogue and communion with God. But I want to even push you a step further that when we are going to see the yes, when we are going to see things move, when we're going to see things answered, is when we begin to understand the prayer of importunity. The prayer of importunity that we see here in Luke 18 is that she began to ask She began to seek and she began to knock on the door and she wasn't going to give up. Some of you, it's not a no, it's not a woe, and it's not a grow. God is telling you, let's go. But unless you get up and begin to ask for it, come on. Sometimes we think this is just going to appear before us, but God said very clearly, listen, I want you to ask me. You have not because you ask not. 
You're upset with God about not answering something that you never began with the simple process of, God, I'm asking you to do this situation. I'm asking you to work over here. God, I'm asking you to help get me in a financial place of blessing. God, I'm asking you to heal this person over here. God, I'm asking you to save my family member. And sometimes we get to the place of asking and we just kind of stop and give up. There's another level. And it says that not only ask, but begin to seek. Seeking means you begin to put some feet to your prayers and begin to move in the direction God has for you. And it will take you to a place where you're, you're starting to see things open up. And then it takes it to a new level. It takes it to a level of knocking. Everybody say knocking. The reason I call it the, the prayer of importunity is there's sometimes you've just got to just keep pressing through to what God said, yes, this is for you. But we understand biblically and in the Bible that just because people began to ask didn't mean it immediately came. We have to have faith. We have to have patience. Luke 18, verse 1 through 8. Then he spoke a parable to them that men all, always ought to pray and not lose heart saying, there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not do it for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said to her, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? What I want to point out about this widow is the widow in the culture that Jesus is speaking into, they would have immediately understand. She had lost her husband. She was a widow. Females in the culture didn't have rights for property and other different things. So my point is, is that she would have been desperate. Everybody say desperate. Desperate. When God and you get in your heart and God will give you a confirmation in your heart, in prayer, that what the thing you're praying for is his will, he desires it, he wants it. And and when Jesus is teaching them about what prayer really is and really means, he uses a couple of opposite end, kind of on the end of the spectrum, two people who was a, a widow who didn't have any recourse. In other words, she was hopeless. But I want to tell you this morning, in prayer, you're never hopeless. Because when you're the most hopeless, you should be the most hopeful. Because when you're the most helpless, God, when you come to Him in prayer, is going to come through for you. One thing we need to get rid of is doubt. Come on. That's that's where God has me in, in focusing on the Scriptures and focusing on just building my life on the Word of God. Because so often, not only does God want to change your vision about everything around you, He wants you to change your vision about thinking this could never happen. This widow should have been somebody that was never mentioned in the Bible, even though it's a parable. Because she had no rights. She had no recourse. There's nothing she could do. And I want to tell you about some of the situations that you think you cannot do anything about. We serve a mighty God. We serve a powerful God. Our vision begins to become clear as we pray because it changes us and it begins to work on the circumstance you're praying about. Simply put, in the parable, she knew that there was a higher authority she could go to. 
Your situation does not have the last word. The doctor does not have the last word. Your boss does not have the last word. Those people that thought you would never pull yourself up out of the miry mud and clay do not have the last word. It is God that has the last word. He is the one. And that's what the parable is teaching. Is that there, there is a God that we can appeal to in prayer. There is a God we can come to and be honest. And she's not trying to... The parable isn't about the judge. God would never take an unjust judge and compare it with himself. He's trying to get us to look at a woman who wouldn't allow the obstacle to define her. Are you listening to me? Get that today. This lady was in an event and could have chosen helplessness and hopeless, but she chose not to let the situation define her. Listen, your trouble today can only define you and your circumstances if you allow it. You're not alone and you're not helpless. You have a daddy that will pick you up and tuck you and let those waves break over himself because he's a good God. The point of this parable is that persistence pays off. Some of you have given up on the prayers that you have prayed, say, five, ten years ago because you thought the answer was no. The answer was not no. The answer was yes. But some things that God is doing, we need to continually lift up to Him, not because you need to remind Him of what He said. It's because we need to remind ourselves sometimes of what God said and who He is. She was determined and she was desperate. One thing I want to leave you with today is that Sometimes you just got to get desperate in prayer. Sometimes you just have to get determined. We see this all throughout the Word. Daniel goes to pray. God sends the answer. The answer doesn't show up for 40 days, and when it finally shows up, it's like, no, there was a battle. There's some things you're just going to have to continue to lay hold of God's Word and believe it beyond the circumstances that you're looking at. How many have persevered through prayer? Come on. I love, love, love the old-timers. as They'd say, I prayed through. Prayed through. Come on. That's praying to a place that he's talking about in this parable where you have asked. And then you begin to seek God. And then you don't see the answer. And you begin to knock and knock and knock and knock. And again, it's, the whole story isn't about God doesn't want to do it. It's actually the opposite. God has the final word. You just need to stay in faith and continue to believe that. Our biggest enemy is doubt when it comes to prayer. Our biggest enemy is doubting that God is who he said he is and that he has claimed you for who, you, who he said you were and that you're his child. Amen. I'll tell you what's easy in prayer is just to remain in the place that you are. Guys, if I could have you come back up. We're going to have an altar call today. Amen. Here's what the Holy Spirit began to speak to me even early this morning as I was driving here. The altar call is going to be two parts. The first part is that by taking a step and coming up to this altar, you're signifying that I'm finally going to get honest with God. I'm telling you, prayer, what it does most for first and foremost, it just helps us lay everything out there before Him. The second part is what I'm talking about right now. It is easier for you to remain helpless and defeated than it is to get up and begin to ask God to change the situation. Ask God to change your spouse, maybe. 
Ask God to change what's going on in your physical body. Begin to seek Him like never before. Begin to knock and knock and knock. It's easier to remain that way. It's harder to take a step of faith, and that's what this is. It's literally a prophetic declaration the Holy Spirit began to tell me that you're going to recommit yourself to a place of prayer, of asking, seeking, and knocking. Listen to me. For the things that God has confirmed in your heart that are for you. There are no unanswered prayers. You will know if God says no. The door. And the interesting thing about that passage is we always say, oh, this door is open. I'm going through it. This door was shut. Some of the doors that God will put before you are shut. And you've got to knock. You've got to seek. You've got to ask. You have to press in to his promises. Press in. That's what prayer does. It not only changes us, it changes our vision. We can get honest with him. And you can even say to God, I've said this many times. I think one of the best prayers in the Bible was the man who said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. God, I have faith in my heart, but I'm not seeing any change in this person or circumstance or in my body. It seems to be getting weaker, not stronger. Can I just encourage you that God has the final say in everything in the child of God's life? Stand with me this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Conrad, if we could just go back to our worship setting. I want to take a minute and a moment just to allow the Holy Spirit to come in and begin to move. He already has, and I know he's dug up some soil. That's what I feel this morning through our worship time. He just came in and just reconfirmed that, hey, I'm for you. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm working on your behalf. The first altar call I want to give, and please, this isn't between me and you. It's between you and the Holy Spirit. Because he just wants you to get honest with him this morning. If you say, God, I just want to be honest and lay some things before you, would you step out where you are and just come up and, and come around this altar? Again, it's, it's a step just signifying that, God, I'm not going to hide my disappointment. God, I'm not going to hide my sin. God, I'm not going to hide my disobedience. I'm not going to hide away from you, but I'm going to take a step, and I'm just going to lay everything out before you in this moment. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. It's probably one of the most important steps you'll make all week because you're being honest. He already knows. He knows our prayer from afar off. He knows. But you're acknowledging God this morning. There's some, there's some things I need to lay before you. Can you just put your hands out if you're at this altar? Just Again, as a, as a symbol that we're laying it down, God. We're laying down our disappointment. We're laying down our bitterness. We're laying down our hurt. We're laying, here's, here's a word for somebody that just came up to this altar right now in this moment. Right now in this moment. You have been so sorely what you thought disappointed in God and His answer. The Holy Spirit's healing that in your heart right now. He's, 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 he's removing that disappointment supernaturally. And you're going to, listen, you're going to feel like a 500-pound weight has been taken off of your shoulders. 
the moment you walk back to your seat. God cannot fail, church. So, Father, in this moment, as we come humbly to you, we're honest with you in this moment. We're honest with you in this moment. We ask you, Father, to clear our vision. Clear our vision. Let us see you for who you are. Let us see ourselves. God, we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God that you may raise us up. Father, I pray there would be a raising up of the Holy Spirit. But for those who came up to this altar today, Father, that we would lay everything out before you just as honest children that say, Father, forgive me where I've strayed. Forgive me where I've disobeyed. Forgive me where I've turned and gone the wrong way, Lord. Forgive us and wash us clean this morning from that. In Jesus' name, I want you to stay right where you are, and I want to do the second part of this. The second part, and this may include many people who already came up here, but if it doesn't, here's what I felt like the second altar call would be is this. By taking that step, by taking that step, you're saying, God, I'm going to renew my faith and believe you again for what you have already said is mine. Would you make a step and come up here by faith and say, God, I know you called me. There's some that God, listen to me, listen to me. God has called and put a calling and an anointing upon your life. And you think that God has left you and God has not led you in the right place at the right time with the right people. And the Holy Spirit wants you to know that come up here and he's going to begin to clarify things. He's going to begin to renew a fresh anointing and a fresh fire. Come on, Jesus. There are some of you that you've walked away because of hurt. You've been hurt by people and by churches. Disappointed. God says it's time to ask again. God says it's time to seek again like never before. God says it's time to knock on that door because that door is getting ready to open and no man can shut it. Hallelujah. God, we lay down our disappointment with what we felt like were unanswered prayers. And Father, we as a church body, I want everybody to participate in this right now. We as a church body, through prayer, we not only want to grow closer to you, but we want to grow more like you. That others would see the image of Christ and the beauty of Christ and the love of Christ in us, Lord. In us, Lord. But today, Father... I ask that we make a fresh commitment, Lord, to seeking you, to knocking, to pressing through what the enemy would put up as defenses and what the enemy would put up to keep our prayers hindered. Father, I pray breakthrough and declare breakthrough over the church of Jesus Christ. Where they have given up, God, I pray a fresh anointing would fall upon them. Where they have shrunk back, I pray they would dust themselves off today. Some of you need to hear this. You might have fell this morning, but God says, get up, get up, get up, and come unto me. And you will find rest. Through prayer, you will find rest for your soul. (laughs) Hallelujah, hallelujah. Just let him work. Let him work. Let him work. Let him work. There's somebody here, and you, in my spirit's eye, you were only maybe 11, 12, 13 years old. 
God said he spoke to you all the way back then. And he put things in your heart that have not come to pass yet. God's word does not return void. He spoke it to you then and he's speaking it over you again today. You were just a young kid. You were so full of faith. You were so full of love for God. You were so full of the tenderness of the Holy Spirit. God says renewal over you today. You may even be watching online, and I think that's it. God says renewal. God says yes, yes, yes to a fresh commitment for a daily dialogue with our Heavenly Father. Daily receive the bread that He gives. Daily receive the breath of the Holy Spirit through prayer that He breathes upon us. It is our life, Lord. It is our very source, God. Some of the men in here, some of the men in here, The Lord's going to give you a fresh mantle of authority. Come on, Jesus. I see it just being draped over your shoulders. You you have abdicated that place in your family's life, and God's just remantling you and reminding you. Lord, remind us today that as the husbands, we are to honor and serve and love our wives. As the men of the house, we are to take authority over our homes in love. In love, Lord, let the Spirit of Christ continually flow through the men of this house. Let it flow, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, fall fresh upon this congregation in this moment. Fall fresh upon us. Fall fresh upon us. It's like water for our soul this morning, Lord like water for our soul in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Lord, we find the source, the living water. Let it flow into each heart. Let it flow into each life. Let it flow into each person. Every head bowed and eye closed. And Conrad, if you could help me out there, I want to ask this question before we dismiss. You say this morning that I've never committed my life to God. I've never made that decision to follow him with all my heart. Would you just be so bold to put your hand up right there where you are? Say, God, I want to repent of my sin and put my faith in you. The invitation is open. The invitation is open. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Let's all pray this together. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you humbly come to you honestly I'm a sinner I've turned away from you I've turned away from your word I've turned away from your spirit I ask you today to forgive me to wash me clean to come into my life to help me today to overcome sin to overcome my flesh to overcome the world. I come to you today and ask you to forgive me, to help me, 
Wash me clean. Come into my life. Heal my heart. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Let's thank God for what he's done and doing. Thank you, Jesus. Church, prayer is our lifeline. Young people, listen to me. If you can learn how to commune with God and pray, He will direct your steps. He will bless you throughout your life. Amen? Let me bless you today as your pastor. Nobody's told you they love you today. Your pastor loves you. And I want you to go with blessings upon your life and have a wonderful Sunday and a wonderful week. Father, I bless Christian Center Church as the man of God that you've called to be here with these people at this time. Father, I pray they would be blessed going in and blessed going out, that they would be blessed at work and they would be blessed in their homes. Father, I pray your face would turn towards us and that in our homes and in our jobs and in our everyday waking life, God, that we would honor you and you would bring the blessings of God upon each person, family, and, and people of this church, God. Father, we love you and we praise you and we give you all the glory. Keep us safe, Lord, till you bring us back at the appointed time. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. thank you for being in the house of the Lord this morning. And thank you for your tithes and offerings. There's boxes in the back. I always forget to mention that, but there's two boxes on the pillars right there. You can drop your tithes and offerings inside. God bless. Have a wonderful day.